Hello from the U.S. Center for Safe Sport and welcome to Champion in Every Corner. By joining us today, you are actively helping us build a safe, rewarding sports community that prioritizes athlete well-being. You'll hear from experts in the field with innovative ideas to keep you engaged in the game. Join the conversation by sharing your ideas for topics at content at safesport.org. That's C-O-N-T-E-E-N-T -E at safesport.org. One important note before we begin, any information about or a reasonable suspicion of child abuse, including child sexual abuse, must be immediately reported to law enforcement and to the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, and individuals must comply with any other applicable state or federal laws. On today's episode, we are so excited to provide you with the tools to better recognize and intervene when you witness or suspect grooming or manipulation is happening. We've brought in Jessica Dorio, our Compliance Development Manager from the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, to help us dive into this conversation. Jessica joined the center in February of 2019, and she works on the audit and compliance team. Prior to joining the center, Jessica spent four years working for the NCAA in the Enforcement Department, assisting in investigations of NCAA rules violations. And for seven years, she worked as a paralegal for a mass tort litigation law firm, whose primary focus was on helping victims who had exposure to asbestos. Jess has a BA in political science from Indiana University, Purdue University, and Indianapolis, Indiana. In her free time, Jessica spends her time corralling her five animals. She has two pups, Riley and Emma, and three kitties, Sylvester, Zazu, and Vitani. Besides her animals, Jessica's biggest love is spending time with her ever-growing number of nieces and nephews. Additionally, she spends time raising awareness and funds for finding a cure for multiple sclerosis. As a former competitive swimmer, Jessica is extremely dedicated to the center's mission. Growing up and participating in sports was where she found solace and is dedicated to ensuring that sports are a safe and healthy environment for all who participate. So in today's episode, we are talking about grooming or manipulation, and I think it's really important that we first define what that is. So grooming occurs when someone intentionally engages in a series of manipulative behaviors in order to abuse an adult or a child. Um, so oftentimes it does happen with children, but we do need to recognize that adults can be groomed as well. There are, of course, times where a case of abuse is abrupt, and we could never have seen any of the warning signs or grooming behaviors beforehand. However, in some situations, there may be grooming behavior that happens before the abuse occurs. And this is really an opportunity where we can learn more about identifying those behaviors. We must talk about child sexual abuse and how to prevent it because we found out from our 2020 Athlete Culture and Climate Survey that more than half of athlete participants who indicated having unwanted sexual experiences they said that some or all of those experiences happened before they were under the age of 18. The U.S. Center for Safe Sport has a set of proactive prevention policies, and we call them the MAP. That's the Minor Athlete Abuse Prevention Policies. And the MAP works to create safe athletic environments for youth athletes, and it prohibits behaviors and violations that can create an unsafe sport environment, such as grooming. Grooming behaviors may be a violation of the center's policies and it should be reported. You can make a report to the center at our Report a Concern portal on our website or by calling us at 833-587-7233. So Jess, we are so excited to have you as a guest today. Let's dive right into the topic. 
Is grooming limited to child sexual abuse? So this is a great question. Um, it is very important for us to acknowledge grooming and child sexual sexual abuse, but we also need to include grooming in our conversations about emotional and physical abuse and misconduct. Grooming is not limited to sexual abuse, and it's also helpful to understand that emotional abuse can lead to sexual abuse. Additionally, it's important to note that power imbalances are a, nat a natural part of sport, but they can be exploited and lead to sexual, physical, and emotional abuse and misconduct. So power imbalances can also foster an environment where grooming can take root. Okay, Jess, so that was really helpful for you to talk about how grooming is not just limited to sexual abuse, but it can also take place before any kind of emotional or physical abuse or misconduct happens. So I now want to talk about who are people that are in positions to potentially identifying grooming behavior? Yeah, so anyone who's able to closely observe athlete behavior changes is in a position to identify grooming. So, I mean, this could include your coaches, it could include your assistant coaches, even athletic trainers and administrators at organizations could see this. And then obviously um, a parents um, would be someone who is in that position to identify grooming. Definitely. And what should they look for in their child or athlete if they suspect grooming behavior? Yeah, so there are several different behaviors to look for to identify potential grooming. grooming and I'm just going to go over a few of those today. Um, so these behaviors could include, you know, if you have an individual who's overly interested in situations where they would be one on one with your child, or if the individual is trying to isolate your child from their peers and family, and then also look for individuals who give special treatment to your child and then potentially you as well. And this could be they provide gifts, um, free private lessons, rides to practices, or privileges that no one else on the team is receiving. And then finally, Look for inappropriate touching or an increase in physical contact with your child. And I do want to, again, note that this is not an exhaustive list, but it's a good start in looking at some of the behaviors that could help identify potential grooming. Absolutely. And we have a resource that we'll be showing at the end for specifically parents to learn more about how they can identify grooming behavior. Uh, but just some of those little tidbits on how to look for it is so helpful. Yes. Um, so when we're thinking about, you know, who is who is at a potential increased risk of being a, being groomed, who do you think that might be? OK, so some individuals in sports who are going to be at an increased risk of being groomed are going to be your younger athletes, um, the elite athletes and those athletes with disabilities. And so I want to dive into this just a little bit more. So with those younger athletes, they're at an increased risk because they may have a difficult time understanding appropriate boundaries. And so this can give an adult the opportunity to tell them something that is appropriate when actually it's not. And then your elite athletes, you know, they probably spend more time with their coaches than their parents. And so this gives those coaches the ability to potentially have more control over that athlete's goals, their practice schedule, and day-to-day -day activities. And then finally, when it comes to athletes with disability, you know, they're more susceptible because they've often been taught to do what people in positions of authority tell them to do. 
And youth athletes with disabilities may also rely more heavily on adults for help than those youth athletes without disabilities. So when we're thinking about grooming behaviors um, and a lot of what you just talked about is, you know, they're spending a lot of time with with adults or they're relying on adults to set boundaries or whatever that may be. Um, is it limited to only in-person interactions? So absolutely not. So grooming can happen beyond in-person. It can also occur online and over the phone too. So for example, a coach texting an athlete late at night um, is probably inappropriate and might be a sign of grooming. Absolutely. So I think we've identified some potential ways and in, in areas where we can identify grooming behavior. So one is certainly in person. Um, one is social media or electronic communication. And then there are some other areas where we know that specifically child sexual abuse is most often to occur, specifically in sports. So we know that cars, locker rooms and away travel are all areas where we are often going to see um, you know, grooming behavior potentially take place. And so we, the answer to all of this is the MAP, right? And that's the Minor Athlete Abuse Prevention Policies. So Jess, can you talk, since you work in this, can you talk what about the MAP, um, what it serves to do, and then we'll talk about how it works to prevent grooming? Yes, yes, of course, great. So um, the MAP, you know, it's a collection of proactive prevention policies and then training policies. And these policies are for the US Olympic and Paralympic movement. So the training policy, what that does is it identifies certain individuals within the movement who are required to complete training. And then additionally, you have these prevention policies focused on limiting one-on-one -on -one interactions between those adult participants and minor athletes. And one thing to note is that those mandatory components of the map that have been developed by the center must be followed by all organizations within the Olympic and Paralympic movement. Okay, so how does the map work to prevent grooming? Oh, great question. So the map is limiting one-on-one -on -one interactions between adult participants and minor athletes in all activities related to sport. So it provides additional guidance for locker rooms, athletic training modalities, meetings, transportation, and lodging, and then also limits one-on-one -on -one interactions over electronic communication, whether that be social media, text, email, or phone. And so additionally, the MAP requires consent forms from parents and legal guardians for many situations, and it sets the requirements for allowing parents to be present for those individual training sessions and athletic training modalities. And so one thing is limiting one-on-one -on -one interaction is an excellent way to prevent grooming without lessening that sport experience. Adult participants and minor athletes can still have, you know, those necessary private conversations and individual training sessions, but those conversations and those training sessions must occur in areas where they are observable and interruptible. So these policies really assist in creating a safe and healthy environment for minor athletes in sport. That's awesome. So now let's talk about the role that parents and coaches play in identifying grooming behaviors. Great, great question. So I understand sometimes it is hard for parents to tell that difference between the behavior of a caring adult and someone who wants to harm a child. And so the best thing to do for this is for parents to ask questions and talk about their concerns. And what coaches should really be doing is 
have preemptive conversations with parents to encourage those parents to let them know if they're ever concerned or uncomfortable. And so I think some things to note too is if your organization is not part of the Olympic and Paralympic movement and does not have a policy that's similar to that of the MAP policy, discuss creating one. The center's model map is online and it can always be used as a guide to create prevention policies for your organization. And if you are in the Olympic and Paralympic movement, you are required to have a map and should definitely reach out to your organization if you're unaware of the policy. So always encourage athletes to succeed, but make sure they are, in, they are safe on and off the field. So talk to the athletes about what a safe environment looks like, and also make sure that those athletes know what to do if they think something or someone's behavior is inappropriate. And then always remember, athlete well-being should be the center of sport culture. Absolutely, Jess. And I think that's one of our key takeaways here, right? Are one, make sure that that whether you're a parent or if you're a coach, that your sport organization has some proactive prevention policies in place to limit one on one interactions. And again, we're focusing on those areas such as, you know, one on one training sessions, um, electronic communication, any kind of transportation or lodging, um, because, again, we know that child abuse happens in isolated one on one situations. And then two is having some of those conversations. And I think this is really helpful for parents to know, too, is that, you know, if if you just get like a gut feeling that just something doesn't feel right, maybe you're you're watching your child interact with an adult, whether they're an athletic trainer or a coach or a volunteer and something just doesn't feel right. Or, you know, your kid's coming home from practice and they're talking to you about how their practice went and something just doesn't feel right, really trust that intuition. It's there for a reason. Um, so so I think that those are just some of our key takeaways. And then I'm going to share with you all some resources so that you can continue to learn more. Um, this is just a short podcast episode, and we're only able to cover so much. Um, but there is a lot more that you can learn about grooming, about the role that you play, whether it's as a parent or a coach. Um, and so I'm going to share some of those. One, we have a document, it's a PDF that is what parents need to know about grooming and sport. And it covers some of the things that we talked about here today, how to identify it, um, what to do about it, etc. We also have um, online trainings available, of course. So we have our online uh, core course, and that is the required training for all adult participants in the Olympic and Paralympic movement. Um, and then in addition to that, we have a free online training that's specifically for parents, and it's called the Parents Guide to Misconduct in Sport. It's a 30 minute online training, and it's applicable to anyone, whether you're in the movement or out the movement. We also have uh, monthly MAP trainings that we're doing every month, and we actually have specific trainings for parents and for coaches. So every month um, throughout the rest of this year and into 2022, we'll be doing MAP trainings. And this is an opportunity for you to learn more about the role that you play in implementing the map. Our courses can be accessed online at safesporttrain.org. That's S-A-F-E-S-P-O-R-T-T-R-A-I-N-E-D dot O-R-G. And the parent grooming resource in the climate survey results can be found in this episode's description. 
So I want to um, just talk a little bit more about our 2020 Athlete Culture Climate Survey um, because we're so excited. This is our first ever climate survey that we've done. Um, so we really encourage folks to look at it. We heard from nearly 4,000 athletes in more than 50 sports. And the survey findings highlight um, really important statistics. We already shared one in our conversation earlier today, and I'm just going to share one other one. And then again, really encourage you to look deeper into those survey results. We learned that approximately 65% of athlete participants indicated experiencing at least one of 18 indicators of psychological harm or neglect. So again, I highly encourage you to look at our 2020 Athlete Culture and Climate Survey to learn more about that. Jessica, thank you so much for your time and your valuable insight today. Mariah, thank you so much for having me. Having me. This is such an important discussion, you know, to continue and have within the um, sport realm. All right. And for our listeners, one final important note, of course, if you know of or suspect abuse or misconduct, please report it anytime, anywhere at a report, a concern portal at uscenterforsafesport.org. Or if you have a confidential or anonymous questions, contact the Safe Sport Helpline at safesporthelpline.org. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time and visit our website to hear more episodes.